lot of energy. <laughs> I used to have that. I want to, I, it's, it's, the advantage of preaching three times is when you miff the first time, you get another chance. So I whiffed last time, so I'm going to try different. Let me start with a story. I'm going to talk about humility and pride this morning. Humility and pride. And we're going to really focus on humility specifically coming from 1 Peter chapter 5. But I got to tell you a story. So what I observe is oftentimes we aren't quite sure what humility looks like. Is that fair? And I don't know if I can recognize pride in my own life. Can you recognize pride in your life? Sometimes, sometimes not. So let me tell you a story. When I was, many years ago, when I was back in the old third church, across the street from the old church was Country Kitchen um, Restaurant, way back in the day, where the El Charo is now. And there was, a, there was a cold day, and I wanted some coffee. So as I was going to walk across the street, they had some big steps going down from the building, and I was going to walk across the street, I saw a wonderful old grandma in our town whose name was Bess. Do you remember Bess? Bess was an old woman at, at that time, probably, I'm guessing, 80-ish. And she would have a broom, and she would go to different businesses, and she would just sweep the, the leaves, and she would just clean in front of the businesses. And so I'm going to go get coffee at Country Kitchen, and I see Bess. And she's getting ready to go across the street. And of course, I'm young and virile. And I see Bess, can I help you go across the street? And she looked at me like, what's your problem, right? So I said, well, come on, I'll help you. So we start to walk. I take three steps, and I hit ice. And I went straight on my back. So Bess is standing next to me with her broom. And I'm laying on the ground. And there's a truck coming down. It's coming from Marion County Bank Street. And, 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 I'm lit. and here's Bess. And here am I. And here's the truck driver. And I thought, oh boy. There's a picture of pride. I'm going to help an old woman across the street. And humility. I can't walk on ice. And I'm publicly embarrassed. And there's a mixture of pride and humility. And what I'd like to have us think about this morning, and I'd like to push into it if you're willing, is would you be willing to look at your own heart and look at how you live? And would you think about the issue of humility and living that kind of a life? So can I have slide number two, please, uh, David? <clears throat> if, I, if, you, if I can't tell you my sermon in a sentence, I don't know what I'm talking about. This is what I'm trying to talk about today. So flourishing exile. This is our 10th week talking about this. Exiles are people who are on the margins, <clears throat> looking at culture from the, from the extremes, trying to figure out how we can flourish, make a difference. Flourishing exiles, at the end of 1 Peter chapter 5, embrace humility. Embrace humility. They exercise faith. They resist evil. And they aim for hope. So that's what I'd like. I'm going to start with this idea of humility. So can you look at your Bibles in, or on the screen? 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to read just a couple of verses. Let me read it all the way through, 5 through 11, and then I'll come back. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 5. St. Peter writes, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So you notice that? All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? 
because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So now comes one of many verbs. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now there's a bit of a shift here. Be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers to the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you suffered a little while, will himself make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Back to verse 5. In the same way, you are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, and now all of you clothe yourselves with humility, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Now, let me, let me give you a couple. I want to get my language really, really clear here. Listen, listen to this. Every saint has to come to recognize the one basic quality for growing spiritually. That is to be filled to the fullness of Christ. For that to be happening, we must be emptied. So I want to give you a word picture. Two bottles of water. <clears throat> this bottle is full, and it re represents pride. So if I would open this up, and I have a small bottle, just a little bit of water. I'm doing it on the carpet, so it's not a problem. It's almost full. This is pride. How much humility can fit in this? So what has to happen for us to be a humble people? This has to be emptied. So we can be filled with humility. Listen now. God cannot fill us with his presence when we are full of pride. So this is why he says, humble yourselves. He says, God opposes the proud. Why? And I, 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 when I was young, I used to think, you know, he's just saying, doggone it, I'm just sick of proud people. I, I'm, I'm going to change that. God loves us so much, he knows he can't pour in humility when we are so stinking proud. So I can see Bess, I can see an older 80-year-old woman who is with a, with, a, with a little broom. I'm thinking, well, this poor old lady, she can't walk across the street. That's pride. When the reality is, she can walk across the street just fine. But my pride says, well, I'm going to help her out. How many times in the course of a day, in the course of a week, do, does our pride, what's pride? Fundamentally, pride is I'm the center of all things. Now, let me, let me play with you just for a second here. Blaine and I are reading a book at night by J. Todd Billings. It's about a man who is dying of cancer. And he's processing life, as Clayton said, to the next life. He does something I've never thought of before. He compares Sheol with the temple. Let me explain this. In the, in the Old Testament, Sheol is a place of the dead. But what I never saw from the Psalms, it's also a place for living people who are feeling as though they're dead. He compares it with the temple where the presence of God is. Now watch, follow me. A proud people, it's always about me. 
oh, the pandemic is so bad and everything is so terrible and our country's falling apart. Fundamentally, that person's living in Sheol. It's a place of the dead. And we are a culture because of our listening to social media, which is raising a generation of dead people. We're so afraid, we're so angry, we're so hurt, we're so upset, we're so mistrusting. And the psalmist was saying, you're living in Sheol. You're living in the place of the dead. But you don't have a dead Jesus, so come to the temple, the presence of God. A proud people say, oh, oh, this is so bad, oh, 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 oh. And pride says, I'm the center of everything. How's my life? How do I feel? How safe am I? How, how healthy am I? It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And that's living in Sheol. But a humble person says, no, I live in the presence of God. I am always in the presence of God. A proud person is self-absorbed. How's it affect me? Are you wearing a mask? Am I not wearing a mask? How are we doing? How are we doing? How are we doing? Come and a humble person says, well, how should we dance together? Should we wear a mask? No, we not. I see you. I respect you. How should we be in relationship? But a proud person says, well, I know all the answers. Well, let me, let me just play with you a little bit here. Some stuff I wrote about pride. Listen to this. So let me give it to you. Every saint has come to recognize the basic requirement for spiritual growth, that in order to be filled with the fullness of Christ, we have to be emptied of our pride. God cannot fill what is already full. Now, I want you to think about this. When I'm full of myself, I can say I want to be filled with the Spirit but there ain't no place for the spirit because I'm full of me. You hear what I'm saying? But when I empty myself, one of the first hymns of the church, Philippians 2, is called the kenosis passage. Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to cross. He humbled himself and God exalted him. Then he was raised up. So listen to these, listen to these sentences now. I'm talking about pride. Give, give me, give me, I'm going to read about six or seven sentences. Pride. The loss or absence of humility, listen to this, is the root of every sin and evil. In heaven and on earth, pride is the gateway to hell. Think about Satan. Where was he? Where is he? How about this? Pride and humility are the only two master powers, the kingdoms at war for the eternal possession of every person alive. Listen to this. It is easy to think I'm humble before God, but how I treat other people's people is the only sufficient proof of my humility before God. Oh, I'm humble, but he's an idiot. She's a jerk. They're stupid. What did St. John say in one of his epistles? He says, if you say you love God, Kevin, but you speak ill of someone else, 
I quote him, Kevin, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. See, pride says, dun, 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 dun. and humility says, I'm going to be strong in Christ, and I will honor you. Listen to this one. This is, this is my definition. True humility is having a realistic understanding of our humanity and a responsible awareness of our royalty. It is being mindful of our humanity and celebrating our royalty. So let me push. How can it be that at the same time we are saints and sinners? Yes? Now, we are seated in Christ, absolutely, Ephesians 1, but we still live a life with sin. And pride says all kinds of stuff, and humility says something else. But when I understand that I am a sinner saved by grace, there's the saint, sinner side, but I'm saved by grace, and I'm a child of the king, then I can live with humility. Now, watch, though, but pride, it's always about me. How are they feeling about me? How are they responding to what I post? What are they saying about my email? What are they saying behind my back? It's always about me. Am I speaking the truth? Let me push. When's the last time this week your thought was not about you or what you like or what you believe? When was the last time you consciously said, I'm going to hear her? I'm going to hear him. I'm going to listen. Yesterday, Lane and I listened to a podcast by Dr. Kurt Thompson. Kurt Thompson wrote The Soul of Shame, The Anatomy of the Soul, tremendous psychiatrist. He says, you look at our culture today, and we are a people that are so overcome with shame and fear. And what has to happen is we have to engage, listen, listen to this, we have to engage with people we disagree with and see them and hear them and have conversation, honest conversation. And in that kind of a context, there is place and space for the kingdom of God to operate. But most of the time, my pride says, she's an idiot. That person's stupid. That, but, but do you see how, how just so subtle pride plays? Pride is just everywhere. Well, how about a couple more? Listen to this one. External teaching and personal efforts are powerless to conquer pride or create a person like Jesus. It is only the indwelling Jesus in his divine humility that helps us become humble. Humility is the disposition that prepares the soul to trust. In humility, Christ's life shines through us. I want, I want you to think about this now. In the Gospels, before Jesus is going to die, the disciples are fighting who was going to be the greatest. They're having this big, big conversation. Who's going to sit on your right, Jesus? Who's on your left? And Jesus asked them, and they, they oh. So what does Jesus do next? John 13. I want you to think about this. How would you feel if on a Sunday morning, two staff members, Chrissy and Clay, they're fighting over something. On a Sunday morning, I take off all my clothes except for my underwear. And I go behind the wall, I get a basin of water and a towel. Social distancing, I wash Chrissy's feet, I wash Clayton's feet. What message am I giving two staff members about how we relate to each other? 
See, that's humility. How would you feel if I did that publicly? Well, one, you'd be embarrassed to looking at me. But after that, now you see what Jesus did? Jesus rewrote what it means to be humble. It is to see someone and to give value. And what the challenge we have is we live so often for ourselves. So now, back to the passage. Chapter 5, verse 5. David, back to it again. Let me read it again. Let's go through it again. One more time. I'm losing you. Stay with me. Chapter 5, verse 6. He says, uh, I'm sorry, 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. Put on humility toward one another. Humility with one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the word there is charis. Watch it again. When we are full of pride... We are full of our pride. We cannot receive the humility of Christ. You can't. Because you are full, I am full of pride. So to live a life that honors Jesus, we humble ourselves. We submit out of reverence for Christ. Now why? The passage is going to go on just a second. Let's we keep reading. Let me follow you, keep, take you through it because it's going to go some interesting places. All of you clothe yourselves in humility because God opposes the proud. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Next verse, please. So then he says, cast all your anxiety on him. Now, interesting. Here's the word for cast. Got a pen? Here it is. That's cast. Take your anxiety and throw it. Now, when I'm proud... Oh, my life is so hard. This pandemic is so difficult. Oh, I'm going to give my anxiety to the Lord. But I'm going to take it right back. But a humble person says, I can't do it. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. See, a humble person says, I can't deal with this. Only God can deal with this. So throw it. Cast it. Give it to him. Why? Now, be alert and of sober mind. Third time. Be alert. Get ready. Glasses on. Look. Be ready. Be ready. Resist your enemy, the devil, who's looking to someone to devour. So let me just make an observation. In a culture now, we are being driven. It's, it's always, it's been since 1900, since Randolph Hearst owned the LA Times. <laughs> the manipulation of media. Let me just tell you a real fast story. Many of you know Billy Graham, famous Christian guy who's dead now. You know how he got so famous? Randolph Hearst, who owned a publishing company and a whole bunch of newspapers, told all his people, I want you to put Billy Graham on the front page of your paper for a year. And Billy Graham became the most famous evangelist in human history that we know of because Randolph Hearst manipulated the media to put Billy Graham on the cover. Since that time, the media has been working overtime, in my opinion, to decide what we're going to hear, believe, and see. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not blaming anybody. Watch, follow me. Resist the devil. So if you want to change a culture, and you want to create a culture filled with fear, and I'm wearing a mask in, in public places, and after the service is over, I'll put my mask on. But, but one of the things that concerns me is this. So what happens to our transparency with each other when we can't see faces? I listened to Dr. Thompson talk yesterday, and he said one of the problems we're having with all the Zoom conversation is your mind and your body are not engaging with anybody else. And what happens is we're becoming more mentally ill, we're becoming more stressed because our bodies need to connect with other bodies. So, let's do this. I can't see your face, I'm all covered up. Yesterday, some people for our church did something of, to care for others. Not one person allowed anyone to enter their home. So 
So now we are so afraid that we can't allow someone from our church to come into our house. Now, who's behind that? We have a spiritual enemy who is manipulating all kinds of stuff. What do I mean? When I was a young man, when I was a young pastor 40 years ago, and I was casting out demons, I believed in the power of Jesus that cast out demons. I still do. But now that I'm 65, I believe the enemy infiltrates systems. And I believe the enemy has infiltrated the system of social media and communication. It is being manipulated, and now we are so afraid. And what does he say? Okay, cast your anxiety on the Lord. Be sober and alert, because you are in a battle of manipulation that is beyond comprehension. And don't think this is just recent. This has been happening since 1900. This is just, this is just incredible. What, so don't, don't, I'm, not, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm talking about a spiritual battle. So be sober and alert. Your enemy's looking for people. Resist him. Stand firm. Now, watch what happens. If I am full of myself and my pride says, I can handle America today. I can handle pandemics. I can handle race issues. I can handle elections. No problem. I can handle it. How does more of Jesus fill when I am so stinking proud and sure that I can do all these things? And so the Lord says, okay, Kevin, you want to do it? Do it. Go ahead. How you doing with the pandemic, Kevin? How you doing with the election? How you doing? But if I acknowledge that I'm a weak and humble person and I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to need more of you, how would we do then, verse 9? Now, you resist him. You stand firm in the faith because you know, this, watch this now, you know that the family of believers across the world are experiencing the same thing. Last week's Sunday was Pray for the Persecuted Church Sunday. Now, I was going to put a thing on the screen. I didn't have permission to do it. There are countries all over the world where if you stood up publicly and said you were a follower of Jesus, you could be from harassed to killed. So what does Peter say to his persecuted, exilic friends? Humble yourselves. Be filled up with the presence of Christ. Then what? Cast all your fears. Throw them. Then what? Resist in the power of Jesus. Resist. Resist the voices that say everything stinks. We're going down. Last week, uh, a couple weeks ago for staff, uh, Brett Wiersma did a, showed us in world statistics, Chrissy helped. How many did you show? 10, 12, 11, 11 measures? Is that something like that? 11 measures. You're never, all over the world, all over the world, there are positive things happening. Water, clean water, women being educated, um, childhood diseases. The, 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 the trend lines are all going like this. And all we hear, everything stinks, everything's bad, everything's falling apart. Resist. Stand firm because, yeah, life is hard. Yeah, I know life is hard. But stand firm. How? You have to humble yourself. You have to throw your anxieties on the Lord. You have to say, I am in Jesus. His life is in me. I'm going to stand 
and others are experiencing similar hard times. Next, next, next slide, please. So then what does he say? And the God of all grace, all favor, who called you to his eternal glory. Now think about chapter 1, verse 1. How does 1 Peter begin? To the chosen scattered exiles in Bithynia and all these places in Asia. You have been called, the God of all grace has called you where? To his eternal glory after you've suffered for a little while. Let me, so I, need, I need a big umbrella of mercy. I don't remember exactly right. So we as a country and a world are dealing with a pandemic. And the numbers are X. I'm not sure what the latest numbers are. Do you remember, do you ever hear about the Black Plague in Europe? Listen to this. One third of the people died. And we have a couple hundred thousand deaths. Imagine one third of 340 million Americans died. That was then. And what was the response of the church then? Oh no! Oh no! It's almost open! What did the Christians do? The Christians changed the world by what? By staying with the people who were dying. Who died with them? If they became immune, they walked with them to health. They buried the dead. They accepted the orphans. And you're here today because 600 years ago, a bunch of people were humble before the Lord, resisted the enemy, stood firm. And that's why we're here. Well, what about us? What about us? Do you follow me? Let me give you a couple other things. Look at this. Check this out. Oh, boy. Slide five. So what is the promise, the last verse? What's the last? What's up? What, what, at, the end, at the end of First Peter, what's the promise? He will restore you, he will strengthen you, and he will offer stability. Now go back to this again. So when I am full of my own pride, when I think I'm the center of all things, and I can do it, and blah, 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 and there's no place for God's spirit, then I am on my own. But when I say, Lord, I, I need you. I want relationship with you. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to be directed by your words. I want to resist the enemy. With my brothers and sisters, what does he promise? He will restore us. He will strengthen us. He will offer stability. Reading Billings' book as he is walking through, I think he's 42, he's got two young children, he's dying of cancer, incurable cancer. And he does all this conversation about what, how we live and how, how we move forward. And he would land on those three things. Can I remind you all one more time? We're all going to die. Everybody in this room is going to die. Some sooner, some later. Yes? Okay. If you are in Christ, can I quote Jesus? Quoting Jesus, the one who lives and believes in me will never die. So, when I die here, I walk through into a new, another life, which is forever. 
as we are humble, we can, we can carry, we can be a part of, we can receive the fullness of Christ increasingly. As we receive it, we can exercise faith. As we exercise faith, we can resist. As we exercise faith and resist, we can stand firm. And we believe we will win at the end. So, and I've said this to the last service. I'm, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to challenge until I, probably until I die. I'm starting with myself. For every minute I'm on my phone, I'm a minute in the Bible. Now, didn't that just preachers? If we're spending six, eight, 10, 12 hours on our phones, some of the, we, have to, we have to for work. I get that. I get school work. I get that. But I'm talking about four or five hours of discretionary time when we're just playing around. May I just gently say, gently, you have a problem with your pride because it's all about you, right? FOMO, I don't want to miss out. I want people to know what I'm doing. I want to be acknowledged. I want people to like my post. It's all about me. So one of the things Thompson, Kurt Thompson, MD, soul of shame, anatomy of shame, he says, you want to, get, you want to be whole in pandemic? This is, this is what he's advising. He's all his clients. You pay him three or 400 bucks an hour to listen to you. And he tells his clients, turn off your phone for six weeks. You'll be fine. Turn off your television for six weeks. You'll be fine. We're paying this guy 400 bucks to tell us to turn off the TV. I'm telling you for free. <laughs> just start. Just take, some, just take some steps. Why? Because that's a step of humility. I'm submitting myself to you, Lord. You know, the... Listen, when we go through these difficult moments of time, whatever you have inside you is what's called up. As the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for thee, O God. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ. Life can't. Death can't, angels can't, demons can't. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. The Lord is, help me. The Lord is my, I shall not. He makes me. He leads me. He, he guides me for even though, what's next? Why? Then, and, prepare table for any present enemies, my cup overflows, <gasps> you have it in you. And what happens when these words are in us? The Holy Spirit takes those things and allows us to live in these full, rich relationship with Jesus and with others. Now, we're going to have a couple songs, and I want to just create some opportunity for response. And if it's hokey, just Kevin K at trcpl.com. So we've got last slide, last slide, please, David. We're going to sing two songs, Living Hope and then uh, something else is really good. <laughs> so if, 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 if today you feel like you're just being proud, and somehow the Holy Spirit's been convicting you of pride. 
Here are two simple ways to address your own pride. Take off your shoes or get on your knees as we sing. And if you want to express hope, maybe you just like this or like this. Can we humble ourselves so that he can fill us up with his goodness and his presence? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we, we, we thank you that you've showed us what it is to be humble. For that's how you describe yourself. And so we pray that we'd be a people who are marked by the good quality of Jesus. Would you remind us that we have a living hope and because we are assured of that, we can live with humility. And then, Lord, you help us to fix our eyes on you. So we love you, we thank you, we honor you, we praise you. And we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.